Welcome to Strategy Saturday. I'm Charles Crillo, and today we're going to be discussing how do I passively invest in real estate. And I'm an active investor in the majority of my real estate holdings. However, I do passively invest in syndications. What convinced me to make this episode was that a passive real estate investment I was involved with just sold. So why would I passively invest when I'm also a syndicator? I'm looking to diversify my portfolio into different assets that I'm not an expert in. For example, I passively invest with a group that invests into different tech startups, and I get an email about every new startup and founder they are working with. But for this episode, I want to explain why and how I passively invest in real estate. It's a perfect way to diversify your real estate portfolio, giving you access to more markets and asset classes. More units equal less volatility. So for example, you own 20 units, say worth a million dollars with no debt, versus another investor that has the same million dollars of capital spread over 4,000 units in different markets and in different asset classes. The amount of diversification you have there will minimize any type of volatility that you have. My company focuses on C plus to B class multifamily throughout the Mid-South and the Southeast in the United States. If I wanna venture into another commercial asset class, Passive investing allows me to do that. In regards to my passive investment that I just sold, this was a large apartment complex in a market that I was not familiar with, but was growing rapidly. Now, passive investing allowed me to get involved in a deal where I normally would not have had access to. Passively investing allows me to quickly place capital without a deal of my own. As a real estate professional, I am able to utilize depreciation to decrease my income. If we sell an asset at the end of the year and I need to place capital in order to minimize taxes before January 1st, passive investing is a great solution. So what do I look for in GPs and in deals? Well, number one, investor communication is very important. I don't need reports. I prefer regular, short communication on a consistent basis. When they send out reports on the monthly, it can have just a bank statement. It can have also a profit and loss. Um, some will just have just some graphs that are put inside the email. I always feel that longer emails always look to me at first glance that there's an issue. If there's an issue like COVID, um, I want more frequent updates. For example, a short email on the 5th and 10th of the month telling me about rent collections, where they stand, what percentage we're at. I don't want to wait till the first week of June in order in the monthly report to learn about rent collections in the first week of May when there is something like COVID that's happening. And a lot of our groups that we were involved with and when we were sending out updates, that's how we did it. We gave mid-month updates and letting people know how rent's coming in. Because if 80% plus of rent is collected, most other issues will work themselves out. So you just want to make sure you're getting those updates and know exactly what's going on. And again, these little updates can just be a percentage and say how many people paid and what's outstanding, etc. It can be in just a few bullet points. Very simple. Next, who is the property manager? You know, what is their experience in the area and in the asset class? Uh, next, is it a good market? I mean, how has the market been growing over the past five to 10 years? And what is the future market growth predictions? Are rent predictions actually possible in the neighborhood and the property it's located in? So you'll have to check some of the comps. Um, experience of the GP team. Have they done a deal like this before? In this market, I do not want to be investing with a new real estate investor or a first-time syndicator. I want a 15-plus year real estate investor, veterans, as deal sponsors. And how much money is the GP actually putting in? Who are the other investors? Maybe a family office, maybe some really high net worth individuals. Um, I mean, is there alignment of interest? Um, in a lot of the deals that I'll passively invest with, the GPs have 
maybe five, 10, 20 times the amount of investment that I'm putting in personally invested themselves. How fee intensive is the deal? Now, if the fees are higher than normal, are they justified? If this is a great asset in a really hot market um, and it took them hundreds and hundreds of deals to look through, it might be justified. Uh, in some instances, for the most part, I haven't really seen too many syndicators that up deals, but I've seen some that have very expensive acquisition fees. And unless it's a really, really awesome deal, I'm going to pass on that. Um, there's, you know, you want people to be compensated for the work, but also you don't want something to be completely fee intensive. So what type of debt are they taking out? Is it short term or long term debt? And what's the loan to cost? Um, I see a lot of stuff where we are now in the market cycle that's 80% loan to cost, um, which if it's not an experienced borrower or experienced syndicator operator, um, you might feel a little worried about. Um, I see some other deals that are 70% or 75% loan to value, uh, loan to cost. If that is what you're what you're going to be investing in, that's going to be usually a little safer of a play. And then also how long or short term. You know, the more aggressive the business plan is, um, the more experienced you want your group to be. You don't want to be investing with a first-time syndicator that's got a, you know two or three-year debt, eighty uh, percent loan to value, and has never done one of these before. I mean, it's very, very risky. What type of reserve is being raised? You know, a lot. I like to see hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, several months of operational reserves that are being held. And I want to make sure that they've raised and over-raised for the cap budget because that's something that you don't want there to be any uh, slowdowns when they're doing work. Um, you know, you don't want people to be doing any of the capex out of any of the operational uh, cash flow. And also, you don't want the deal to be slowed at all. You know what I mean? You want them to hit the ground running and uh, you want them to start turning units and putting the whole value add strategy into high gear after you've purchased. Next, is there going to be a cost segregation study? So the cost segregation study is great for having, um, you can look it up separately what cost segregation is, but it is um, really speeding up the amount of depreciation, right, in the first year. And that allows real estate professionals in particular to uh, take a lot of uh, their income uh, deduct it from their taxes. So that's a good thing. It's also if someone just had an exit and they're not a real estate professional, but they have a passive gain, this is something that will allow them to offset some of those gains they had. Um, next, how aggressive is the business plan and what is the current vacancy? If, you know, if you're going in with a newer group, um, you want to see in a business plan that's not as aggressive. You know, you want to see something where the property is already stabilized, it's already cash flowing, they might be going in and doing a couple things here and there. Um, and it's not going to be, you know, the best return ever for you. However, it's going to be a much safer property. If the current vacancy is over 10%, they're going to have to get some sort of debt that's not agency debt. Not that it's very high risk, but it might not be as long term. You know, the key with agency debt is it's long term. And that's why I like it in nature because you're going to get terms that are 10, 15, maybe even longer. And it's if you're holding a property for five or seven years, you want to see that the debt, you want to see whatever they say for the business plan, whatever the whole time is, you want to see that debt to be almost uh, twice as long. So someone's doing, a, they want to do a three to five year hold, you want to set them getting 10 year uh, fixed term debt. And that makes it, if there's any type of pullback or any type of issue, um, they more than can cover uh, waiting through it before they have to refinance or before they sell. You know, you want to sell when you want to sell. Um, 
and you want to refinance when you want to refinance. You don't want to be forced into anything. That's where you're not going to get the best deal and rate. And finally, does the risk justify the potential returns? I mean, if you have a deal um, that has a lot of hair on it, I mean, are you being compensated for that? I mean, if it's if it's if you're looking at it and <clears throat> another deal that's a lot less risk and uh, it's got similar returns, well, you probably would do that versus one that they're putting in twelve or twelve thousand dollars a unit and they're going to be raising rents five hundred dollars and all this type of stuff that has to work like clockwork in this short amount of uh, short amount of period compared to someone that might have uh, a deal that might not be in as hot of an area, but it might be something that's a little bit more consistent, where they're going in, putting uh, two, $3,000 a unit in, raising rents $120, $150, and something like this. Uh, it might be a little safer of an investment, whereas the other one, there has to be a lot of things that uh, connect in order for those returns to be reached. So I hope you enjoyed. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, submit comments and potential show topics at globalinvestorspodcast.com. Look forward to two more episodes next week. See you then. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.